how are you this morning? I'm so glad you're here with us. Uh, I'm Pastor Turner. I'm one of the pastors here at Destiny, and uh, we are continuing in our series called All Access. It's a series that Pastor Brody put together on prayer, and we titled this uh, series All Access based on the single event that happened after the cross when Jesus died on the cross and in that very moment when the, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, revealing the Holy of Holies and giving access to anyone by faith who would trust in the Lord to have a relationship with him unhindered, nothing separating it. You can have access to God through faith in Christ. And part of that access is that we have the wonderful privilege of coming to God anytime that we have need in prayer. And so this entire series has been focused on different issues that we deal with that might come about upon our lives as believers related to prayer. I feel a little bit anticlimactic with the topic that I'm going to share this morning based on everything that God has been doing in his faithfulness with little Josie and with Carly and Josiah, uh, the whole McClure family, as God has just seen them through this surgery with her and his hand has been upon her and he has legitimately been answering our prayers collectively as a church and literally around the world there are people that have been praying for her and it's just incredible to see that happen. It brings joy to my heart, it increases my faith and it should yours also. But occasionally in life, we have moments where we don't experience that outcome, where we find ourselves in a situation or in a position where God seems to be not answering prayer. And so the topic this morning that we're going to unpack and look at is how to deal with unanswered prayer, how to handle it in our lives when God seems to be not answering our prayers, when even we find ourselves in situations where the prayer never was answered. It's a very challenging place to be. And for many of us, if you live long enough in Christ, if you walk long enough with the Lord, you will find yourself in a place where this will come upon you. How you deal with it can change so much in your life. And so what I want to do is unpack that topic a little bit this morning. I have three particular keys that I've discovered to help us deal with unanswered prayer. And we're going to hopefully walk away, be a little bit more encouraged this morning, especially if you find yourself in that position today. Uh, just if you have your Bibles, and want to open it up to Psalm 13. And I just want to share a few verses out of Psalm 13 here, verses uh, 1 through 4. And, uh, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll just jump right in. It. it says in Psalm 13, verse 1, it says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. 
Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning. Again, just giving thanks for all that you've done with little baby Josie. We pray, God, that you will continue to heal, continue to raise her up, continue to strengthen her physical body. Lord, may the doctors work and may they have discernment and wisdom and may they have skill in all of their efforts to serve her and to help her, Lord, in their work. And Lord, we just pray that you would keep her in health, that you would protect her from infection. And we pray for joy over that entire hospital wing that, Lord, the McClure's will be a light and a very dark place, Lord, where there is much hopelessness. May they shine the light of hope and may they just be a true witness for you, God. May you use little Josie's life for your purposes. And this morning, God, I pray that you would bless this teaching time, that you would help me. Holy Spirit, empower me. Put words in my mouth. Lord, I pray that you would use this time. We just yield ourselves to you this morning. May you speak to us clearly, Lord. May we leave here encouraged, corrected, and Lord, may your word have its work in our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen, amen. So David finds himself in Psalm 13 here, and I wanted to use this psalm because he says four times in this psalm, how long, how long, how long? The circumstances surrounding this psalm are unique because this is when David was literally hiding out in a cave. He had been promised by the prophet Samuel that he would become the next king of Israel, but everything concerning his circumstances, everything concerning his life, everything concerning all of the surrounding events that he was facing, even his own family, were saying contrary to what God had promised him. And so he's inside a cave with a hundred or so men, these misfit soldiers, and he's praying through the night, and he says to the Lord, how long, Lord, until I see the answer to your word, until I see the answer to this thing that, Lord, you said would happen. And so he's asking God, what I love about King David and what I love about the Psalms is that they are completely transparent. When David comes to the Lord and begins to write out the Psalms as he has written so many of them, they are transparent of where his heart is in that moment. There's places where David cries out that God would gnash the teeth of his enemies. I don't know if I have boldness to pray like that myself. I always go, well, God, I know you love people, you know. And here he is saying, gnash their teeth. Let their bones be turned to dust, God. I mean, this amazing guy. He was probably a feeler. We know he was a musician. There you go. No offense to any of our worship team. But the truth of the matter is, is that David cries out to God out of the uttermost transparency of his heart. Where he was sitting in that moment, how long, God, how long, how long am I going to have to wait? How long until you answer me? And that's why I thought this would be the perfect psalm to connect our teaching with this morning. Because David, in honesty, was asking God this question. And maybe you have found yourself asking God this same question. You've been praying for a spouse, praying for a job, praying for a a prodigal, praying for something, for someone. And it's just been placed before God's feet again and again and again. But yet, you still have not seen the answer to that prayer. And the temptation that we have is to either give up Or the temptation is to just forget about it or to begin to grow a hardened heart towards God, thinking wrongly that he doesn't hear your prayers or that he doesn't care about your life or the things that you care about. I just want you to know this morning that he 
has the uttermost depths of care more than you ever could care for the things that you're lifting up to him in prayer. So I've identified three particular ways that we can adopt into our own prayer life, our own understanding that will help us deal with this. And the first one that I want to bring to you this morning is key number one. It's God's word. God's word is essential for every aspect of our life. And if you do not have a regular time in God's word, I want to encourage you this morning, adopt that in, begin to put that into your disciplines, into your practice, into your relationship with Jesus, because God's word has a powerful effect on all of our lives to not only help us, but also to correct us, to encourage us, to shine light into our path. It's an amazing thing that God's word, it even proclaims that it is living and active, Meaning that when you stick your face into God's word, when you open your heart to receive the words of God that are eternal, written in this Bible that we hold on our laps, it has a powerful effect because it is living and active. In other words, it is alive, it knows your situation, your circumstances, and it can certainly speak into them. We do not want to neglect God's word in our life. Now when we think of the issue of unanswered prayer, the Bible does give us some reasons why our prayers might go unanswered. For instance, he tells us that you may have wrong motives in your prayers. Uh, James chapter 4 verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, when we come to God and our motive is not what God's motive is for our prayer request, Oftentimes, he will hold off from answering that prayer with the purpose that it doesn't line up with his character, his heart, or his will in that situation. He wants to align your motive before he will answer your prayer oftentimes. And we talked about this in week one. Remember when, I, when we opened up this series and I said to you that oftentimes we come to God and when we come to God, we bring to him our prayers, thinking and asking that, employing God to come down and enter into my situation, God, help me in this deal. And what happens is when we come to him in all honesty, he actually lifts us from where we are and brings us up to where he is so that we begin to see things from his vantage point. Prayer has this amazing ability to change us from our perspective of looking at me to looking at it from God's viewpoint. And this is exactly what James is talking about. He says, sometimes when you pray, your motive is wrong because your vantage point is from you rather than from God. And so he will hold off potentially answering prayers in our lives because our motive is wrong. He clearly says there that you want to spend it on your pleasures. Look, God wants us to be, have pleasure. He wants us to have fun. I mean, one of the chief characteristics of the Holy Spirit is joy right, which goes way beyond your circumstances, joy will far exceed pleasure in this life, and it will be, have that amazing ability in your life to do that. And so God wants us to have pleasure. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to be fulfilled. But he says when you pray, sometimes it won't happen because you actually have a selfish motive, a wrong motive, and it needs to be realigned. Also, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. He also says in Matthew 6, verse 5, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for when they, when they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the street corners and seen by others, I tell you this, that they have received their reward in full. In other words, 
our motives, the way we approach prayer, the things that we want to receive from the prayer, the things that we want as the end result, they can be out of line with God's word, God's heart. And so that can hold us back from receiving an answer to our prayers. Secondly, God's word tells us, and a biblical reason why prayers go unanswered is that we have sin in our lives. Shocker, sin puts a barrier between us and God at certain levels. If you are a believer, yes, you stand justified before God. In fact, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all of your sins, the past, the present, and the ones you have yet to do, which you will as soon as we leave this, we'll all pray, we'll all sin, it's going to happen. But guess what? Praise Jesus. They are all washed, covered in the blood. They are not to be brought before God ever again. You are justified, justified, never sinned before God. But sin has this ability to, in our lives, hinder the work of God through our lives, and it definitely will affect our prayers. Psalm 66, 18 says this, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Did you hear that? If I would have held sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. There's a barrier between what God is willing to hear from us and our willingness to resist sin. I'm not saying that you can earn God's prayers to be answered by a perfect and sinless life because no one has that ability. None. But there is a call to the believer, to the child of God, to live as holy as you can, to please God in obedience. This brings glory to him. It brings you into a place, certainly, where your prayers are more effective. Isaiah 59, 2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Those are deep verses, aren't they? And sometimes in our lives, we hold sin. We resist repentance. And maybe it's an issue of where we just don't want to let go of something. Maybe it's an issue where, you know, as the Bible tells us, sin is pleasurable for a season. And maybe we're in that part of the season where we're not willing to recognize the grief that it brings to the Holy Spirit, the, the hindrance that it has of the flow of God's life within us. And the ability for us to, as John 15 says, remain in him and he remains in us. Actually, the abiding factor that Brody talked about in the last, service, in the last sermon. Abiding in him. A third way, it gets better, don't worry. Because I am going to touch on how he does answer prayers. A third way, which connects greatly with the idea of sin that's unrepentant in our life, is the topic of, and the issue of unforgiveness. Jesus speaks greatly about unforgiveness, in particular in Mark chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, he says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. He's talking about this connection, because he starts off by saying, when you stand praying. And so it's the assumption that in your prayer, if you have unforgiveness, the Father will hold off until you get those things right. There is a barrier that can exist due to the fact that we can have unforgiveness in our lives. Now, we're all in process. I understand that. And the depths of forgiveness that are needed in different circumstances can vary. And sometimes the pain that can be 
put onto someone else, by someone else, can be so great that it might take most of their life to work through it, to find themselves in a place where they can finally let go and forgive. I understand that. I get that. And good news, so does God. But I'm here to exhort and encourage you this morning to go the better way. Turn away from holding on and let go. Turn away from the grudge and give freedom. Find yourself moving towards the word of God where he exhorts us to forgive because he has forgiven us. Remember, I think I said this a few weeks ago, but unforgiveness in the life of a believer is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. It literally puts you in your own prison. When when unforgiveness is active in the life of a person, what happens in their life is they begin to um, hold resentment or grudges against this other person. And the other person, it's almost a guarantee, are not thinking a thing about the offense. In fact, they're going along in their life completely free, not giving a second thought to you or your situation, more than likely. And so what happens is is you're the one carrying it around. You're the one that's putting yourself in a prison. You're the one that's behind closed walls. And you're the one that's drinking the poison. It has a tremendous effect on you and has zero effect on the other person. In fact, unforgiveness is probably one of the greatest things that a believer has to deal with because life is hard, sin is real, and people are evil. It's just going to happen. And guess what? You're going to hurt someone someday also. You're going to need to receive the forgiveness that God extends. How dare us, children who have been forgiven, hold it against anyone else? Listen, as I said when I started this point, things can be very deep and it can take a long time, but I just want you to know, go with God in it. Take the first step to Just forgive. God says that when we let go, he will deal with it because he's not only a right judge, but he has the ability to work in that person's life. Can you imagine if you let go of that resentment, that thing, and let God deal with it and he began to work in the heart of that person or that individual that's hurt you in the way that he knows exactly what they need? Think about it, if you were the judge and you were to bring the judgment on that person, you would be 10 times harder on them than you would on your own self, wouldn't you? But if we release it to God, he knows exactly the button to push in their life to bring them to a place where they will recognize. And that's where you want it to be. Paul said, who am I to judge another man's servant? He literally said that in regards to someone who had hurt him. Who am I to judge another man's servant? Leave it up to God. Let God deal with it. Some other ways that we can have our sins not being answered is through rebellion. Proverbs 28, 9 says, speaks of that. Peter 3, 2 speaks of that. A lack of faith or perseverance. Hebrews eleven six talks about that. You can write these down and look at these yourself. Peter speaks for us men. Treating your spouse poorly can hinder your prayers. I'll say that again. Treating your spouse poorly can hinder your prayers. Should I say it again? No? Okay, you got it. Good. I was saying it to myself, too, just so you know. And probably the greatest tragedy of 
of these is never asking. Just never asking at all. James speaks of that very clearly when he talks about how you don't ask. You have not because you ask not. It's a very interesting. There was a poll given recently, a study that was done on the differences between men and women in the aspect of asking for directions while driving. Men, guess what? They've actually discovered a connection with not asking for directions to our levels of testosterone. It's legitimately a man thing. <laughs> Women, go easy on us. It's physiological. I didn't ask for all this testosterone. God's, God put it in me. Hey, but what he said is they did this blind test where they injected testosterone gel into men and then they took a placebo and injected it into other men telling them it was the same thing and they gave them a series of tests to, to check this whole thing out and they found out that the men that were injected with testosterone, I don't even know what that looks like. They're probably ripping the place apart and flexing. I don't know, who knows what they were doing. But those men that were injected with the testosterone would speed through the questions and they had been they were specifically designed questions to cause them to have to stop and inspect what was going on and dissect and pull apart the question so they could answer it properly and the testosterone elevated levels did not allow that cognitive part of their brain to function in a way to receive direction or to slow it down listen let us off the hook <laughs> but they did a poll and said that men will drive an extra hour and 30 minutes before, on average, before they will ask for directions. Oh man, how many times, you poor women, have you been in a car with us men, <laughs> unwilling to just simply stop and ask? Maybe your prayers aren't being answered because you just simply haven't stopped and turned to Jesus and said, please, Lord, answer this prayer. Please, men, lower your T levels, get on your knees, ask Jesus. It's that simple. For the sake of your marriage. So those are some reasons why, why our answers wouldn't be answered biblically. And, and I just want to put those in front of us at the beginning because we need to evaluate, am I in that range somehow? Is there some part of my life that I can run through that grid and it would raise a flag and say, yeah, these are issues, you need to deal with them. But there are some amazing biblical promises that God will answer prayers as well. Listen to this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that, he will, that we have the request that we have asked of him. It's amazing. There is literally, he says there, whatever we ask. Now that can cause a lot of confusion in some people and I just want to make some clarity on this verse right here. Connected to the whatever is the will of God. Because he says very clearly there, if we ask according to his will, whatever we ask, it will be done. In other words, the whatever has to be hitched up to the will of God. And so when you ask for the will of God, certainly that's going to happen. I love that. Whatever needs to be connected to the will of God. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 and 23, it says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. 
Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now that verse has caused a whole lot of confusion in the church today. There are literally churches that have what we call name it, claim it theology, where they're like, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it. In fact, I saw yesterday on Instagram a post by a guy, I don't even know him, but he was had a picture of this brand new Volvo. And he's like, God answered my prayers. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm happy for him. So I started to read the post and he was like, I had been praying for this Volvo for a year and I was naming it and I was claiming it and I had a picture of it in my bedroom. And whenever I started to doubt, I would look at that Volvo and, and I would drive my old Jaguar and I would say, I kid you not, I would say, I want that Volvo. I'm driving a Volvo right now. And he would literally use new age tactics because that's exactly what it is. It's visualization, which is a new age tactic to try and bring forth God's will. And he gets this car and then he adds in there, oh, and I also want to add, I was given a great raise. Well, if you give me a raise, I'm getting a Volvo too, okay? (laughs) I apologize if I offended you if you find yourself from that theological disposition, but... I want to help you right now. I want you to understand that the mountain that Jesus speaks about there, he intends for God's people to move mountains. He just wants us to move the mountains that he wants moved. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's people are meant to move mountains. They're just meant to move the mountains that God wants moved. And that is connected directly with his will. So when we ask whatever it is according to his will, that's a mountain that God will certainly cast into the sea. Do you understand that? It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful gift from God. Key number two to dealing with unanswered prayer is remembering God's character. I love this. The more that we understand God's character, the more we will be able to deal with unanswered prayer. Listen to what Psalm 13 says. I opened up our, ver- our sermon with this this morning. It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your, un- your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. I want you to know this, that no one is more involved, more interested about your life, your cares, your pains, your fears, your joys than God himself. No one. And when David was crying out to God, how long, how long, how long, in Psalm 13, when he gets towards the end there, he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. God has unfailing love for his people. He has unfailing love for you this morning. He has unfailing love for all who will call upon him. That unfailing love means that it will never leave you. It will never forsake you. That in the darkest of night, it will be there beside you. That unfailing love will walk you through the darkest valley, the greatest sorrows. He cannot leave you because Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. He said, Father, make them one with me just as I am one with you. 
In other words, we become one with God. And in order for him to abandon you would mean abandoning himself because you have been brought in and become one with God through the Holy Spirit. Church, you belong to him. He will not leave you. He has unfailing love for you. You must remember this in the moments when you are bringing your cares to God and it seems as though he is not hearing or answering. Remember who he is, what he's done. Turn your eyes to the past. His faithfulness in the past means he will not let you down in the future. He has an unchanging character. And I love what Brody said last week. He said, so many times, God's character is unchanging, but his will is unfolding. We're hidden from the things that God sees. We're hidden. We don't have the ability to have his view of things. And so our temptation is to make a judgment based on what we see in our own understanding. In fact, Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, it says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Unanswered prayers are still part of God's will. Maybe what he's doing is he's helping you because he loves you. He's holding back from answering that prayer because it would not be best for you. It would not be a good gift for you. God's character of unfailing love, God's character of his ability to know when and what to give to us as a good father. It also says in Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God's timing is often our testing. Anyone in here who's waiting for a spouse who is still single can identify with that perfectly. They're longing to have this desire met. They're longing to meet that person. And they're holding on to God, waiting for him. And God's timing is perfect in the way that he will bring these things to pass because he's all wise and all loving. And he knows exactly what's best for us. Don't allow the timing of God in your life for prayers to cause you to fail the test of God in waiting and trusting in him. If truly his character is that he's unfailing in his love and he knows how to give good gifts to those that call upon him, then what does that mean about your situation? It means that possibly the timing of God has not seen its way through and you just simply need to wait. Don't grow weary because at a proper time, you will reap a harvest. Just because it's not answered now doesn't mean that it won't go unanswered in the future. Lastly, that's awesome that my notes aren't working. How about you work, notes? There we go. Love technology. Key three, I'm going to close with this, is that we need to implore or employ God's help as we wait. Just like everything we deal with in life, we need God's help when it comes to dealing with unanswered prayers. Philippians 4, 7 says this. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I briefly mentioned this a second ago, that our understanding is limited. Our understanding of the scope of all that's happening in this world and this life are limited. But God in his amazing sovereignty 
has the perspective of standing outside of time, where he stands in yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so he stands outside of all of our life, the full span of everything from our first breath to our last, and he's looking down upon it. And as he looks down upon our lives, his understanding of what he's doing is incredible. And it's connected directly to his character. And so when we release these things to him and trusting in him, we can begin to have a release and also we can gain a better understanding. Sometimes you come to God and you just simply say, I don't know why, but I trust you regardless. I trust you regardless. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Many times we get discouraged or we move in the wrong direction in dealing with unanswered prayer because we're working with our human intellect. We're working with our limited understanding. We're leaning on carnal knowledge, which truly lacks the spiritual power and understanding that God has. I want to close with this. In Psalm 13, verse 3, this is what David says. He says, look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. That phrase there in the Hebrew, to look on, it simply means to cast a glance at. In other words, David's praying, he says, just, Lord, just cast a glance at me. That will be enough. If you just turn to me just for a second and look at my situation, that will be enough because, Lord, I know. And he says, give light to my eyes. That light is the light of life, the light of men that John spoke of in his gospel in Jesus. I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to understand who God is and the depths of his love and faithfulness for you. Push away the desire to fall in a faithless attitude. Turn your eyes back to the living God who sees all, who knows all, and who is with you. And just trust in him. Trust in him with all of these things. Now that word trust is interesting because in order for any of us to come into relationship with God and to even experience all of this stuff that I've been talking about this morning, you have to start a relationship with him. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you've never turned to Jesus and trusted in the work of the cross for salvation, today is your day. This is your moment. God's calling you into a relationship. I believe in that you're here on purpose, that somehow in his way of working in your life, you've found yourself sitting here hearing these words. And you can begin to trust in God in the work of salvation that he's provided through Jesus. You see, sins separate, as I said at the beginning. And ultimately, when you've never asked for forgiveness of sins, you are separated from him. And God has provided a great resource to come to him through his son, Jesus. It's the only way to heaven. It's the only way to know the eternal God. You believe and trust in the work of the cross that happened over 2,000 years ago for you. I just want to pray. Let's all pray. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, for that person, I want to pray right now. And if that's you, you can pray this way. Jesus, I trust you this morning. 
I see that I need you, not only for salvation, but for eternal life. I ask that you would give me your Holy Spirit, that you would wash me and cleanse me, that you would make me a new creation, that I would walk with you for the first time, that I would experience never leaving your side. Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation in Jesus. And Lord, I pray for every person here this morning that's discouraged or they just feel as though you're not answering or hearing their prayers. May you just encourage them as they leave this place today. When they kneel back down to spend time with you, when they turn to you, may your spirit comfort them. May these words echo in their hearts that you're a faithful God, you're a loving God and you give at the right time in the right way. And what we get to do is just simply trust you. We trust you this morning, God. We just confess it. We trust you, Jesus. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.